Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit HopeChurchLV.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast to help spread Hope Church to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Hope Church, good morning. Good morning. How we doing? Y'all look good, man. Got your Sunday's best on. You look good. Well, listen, I have missed you all. I have missed you all. I have just gotten back from my mission trip to Tanzania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see my boy Roger right there. Good to see you, man. Listen, um, I just want to say thank you for your prayers. We needed them. Thank you for your kind words. It really, really helped us out during our trip. And we just want to say we appreciate you so much, our church family. We were over there for about 12 days, and we saw God move in an amazing way. In fact, I got a picture up here I want to show you. Look at these beautiful people right here. As these people became family over 12 days, man. So we, we're just thankful of your love for us, and we appreciate all you've done for us. I also need your prayers today because your boy is still jet-lagged. So I may fall asleep mid-sermon. It's okay. Pastor Chip is there to take my place. Everything is all right. Everything is all right. Um, as I got back from my trip, I began to ponder, asking God, Ricky, what did you learn? What did God show you on the mission field? And he showed me this, that we all have a role to play in the mission of God. I am more convinced now than ever, so if I'm super passionate, it is because God has convinced me that we all have a role to play in the mission of God. Amen? Amen. In fact, let me say it this way. Engaging in God's kingdom activity is not limited to a short-term trip. We are to live on mission every day where we live, work, and play. So let me say this very clearly. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a role to play in taking the gospel to the nations. Now, this would lead us to do a two-week series we're calling Loud and Clear. Loud and clear. The heartbeat behind this series is this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all nations, peoples, families, and generations. We as his followers are responsible for declaring his glorious message loud and clear. So just in case you didn't get it, let me say it again loud and clear. We all have a role to play in the mission of God. Is that loud and clear? In fact, let me hear you say loud and clear. Nah, that was cute and soft. Nah, I asked for loud and clear. We'll try it again. Let me hear you say loud and clear. clear. Now, you know I'm a chocolate preacher. I love when you talk back to me. I love that. That we're a family here. Let's have a good time. Um, Over these next two weeks, we're going to spend our time in just one verse. And in this one verse, we will see two things. First, we will see that the mission of God is geographical. And next week, Pastor Tritton will preach that the mission of God is generational. Okay, but today we will deal with the first part of this verse, which is the mission of God is geographical. Now, when you hear the word geographical, I want your minds to go to a large world map. Okay, and our role is to take the gospel to every nook and cranny, every people, tribe, tongue, and nation on that map. Now, for us to do this, you and I play two important roles. And today through our text, we will see 
what role we are called to play in taking the gospel to the nations, all right? So now turn your Bibles to Psalm 96, Psalm 96, verse 3. Psalm 96, verse 3. And the first point we shall see from Psalm 96, verse 3 is that we're called to be worshipers. I'll read it to you this way. Psalm 96, verse 3 says this. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. The first thing we shall see from this verse is that our role is to be called worshipers. We are called to worship God rightly. Now, Psalm 96, the heartbeat of Psalm 96 is praise and worship. The substance of this psalm is found in 1 Chronicles 16. 1 Chronicles 16, we meet King David, the king of the Jews. He is rejoicing because he has just now received back the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a, golden, uh, a wooden chest where the Ten Commandments resided. But David is not celebrating because of what the Ark of the Covenant holds. He's celebrating because what the Ark of the Covenant represents. And the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence, his blessing, his love, his care. And David says, I am so thankful for God's presence. Let me praise him with all I have. All right? Now, verses 1 and 2 show us this act of worship. Verse 1 of Psalm 96 says, sing to God a new song. Verse 2 says, bless his name. If verse 1 and 2 tell us what we are called to do, verse 3 tells us why we are called to do it. Verse 1 and 2 says, worship God, bless his name. Verse 3 says, and the reason we sing is to tell the world who God is. Verse 3 says, declare his glory among the nations. Now, don't forget this. Your Old Testament Bible was written in the Hebrew language. In the Hebrew language, this word uh, declare, it means uh, you make known. You can't miss it out, Hope Church. We are called to make known the, the name of God among the nations. But the heart behind this you make known is that this is not a suggestion. This is a command. To declare God's glory is not if you have time tomorrow. This is a command, and here's the cool part. This command is just not for the pastor. This command is just not for the paid Christian. This command is for everyone who exhales and inhales and calls themselves followers of Jesus. We are called to take God's name to the nations. Now, I want to keep digging in this word declare. It's mentioned about 160 some odd times in the Bible. In fact, in the Hebrew language, there are various words and phrases for this one word declare. But even though there are various words and phrases, they all are pointing in the same direction, and that direction is to make God's name known. Now, I want to dig in this word declare. All right? So I want to break it down for you. So this word declare is translated in the Bible 50 times as the word scribe. Someone who writes something down. 40 times as the word tell. 24 times as the word declare. 23 times as the word number. Six times as the word count. Four times as the word write. Two times as the word speak. If you have not got it by now, the psalmist is saying, whether you write it down or open your mouth, let the world know who God is. Now, the Bible is always loud and clear about making God's name known. So why are we silent? 
We should be loud about what the Bible is loud about. Now, Psalm 96 also teaches us something that if you're not careful, you'll miss it. It teaches us that before you can tell the world to worship God, you must be worshiper of God yourself first. Before you can open your mouth and tell the world to worship God, you must be a worshiper of God yourself. How can you tell the world about a God who you do not intimately know? How can you tell the world about a God who we do not intimately know? Listen, this is all about intimacy here. This is all about worship here. And the breakdown of this psalm, the, the, the word declare, the psalmist is telling you and I that there's a benefit to, to remembering all that God has done. There's a benefit to taking extended time to think about all the ways God has protected you and loved you and provided for you. There's a benefit to sitting down and understanding all of who God is. Hear me, for when I see God correctly, I can worship him rightly. Now, I want to go back. In fact, Pastor Vance says it this way. Everything that God desires to do through me. He will accomplish out of the overflow of his intimate love relationship with me. So now, let's go back to this word declare. 50 times it says the word scribe. A scribe was somebody who took copious notes, detailed records. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you wrote down all the ways God blessed you? When's the last time you took copious notes? All the times God came through for you. I think every Christian should have a Jesus highlight reel of all the ways that God has walked with you and talked with you and answered your prayers. We're so quick to say that God's not faithful, but also so quick to forget. We all wrestle with spiritual amnesia. As if you forgot all the ways that God blessed you to get you where you're sitting now. This is worship when I remember all God has done. Then the word that says number. Over the past six months, how many prayers have you lifted up to God? And then over the past six months, how many times have you counted all the prayers he's answered? The psalmist says, before you open your mouth to tell the world about God, you must know him intimately yourself. This is the heart of worship. Hear me. When I see God correctly, I can worship him rightly. Now, let me say this. I got to define this word worship for you because I've said it a thousand times. Let me define it for you. I define worship as this, a right and thankful response to who God is and what he has done. Worship is simply this. The reason I sing, the reason I pray, the reason I come to, to church is because I am responding to all of who God is and what he has done on my behalf. I am convinced, I am convinced that if we don't worship God rightly, we cannot witness about him passionately. You must know God. Now, let's get back to this, this verse. Psalm 96, it says, declare his glory among the nations. Now, I want to dig with this word glory. Let's talk about this word glory. This word glory in the Hebrew language is called kavuz. Kavuz, actually the B has a more of a V sound. Matter of fact, say kavuz. Say kavuz. 
it sounds like a nice fragrance. Ricky, what are you wearing? Oh, that's just some of that kaboom. <laughs> I love y'all, baby. Have a good time. So just that's a new fragrance we're going to throw out called kaboom. In Hebrew, this word kavod, the definition of God's glory is his riches, his splendor, his reputation, his heaviness. In the Bible, whenever someone encountered God's glory, they encountered his tangible presence. So in the Bible, when you see someone has encountered God's glory, they have encountered his tangible presence. Well, let me just tell you this. If you are a Jesus follower, today you have encountered the glory of God. You have seen and felt his tangible presence, for his tangible presence is the cross of Christ Jesus. You and I all have encountered God's glory. For John 1 verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and dwelt and lived among us, and we have now seen his glory. If you are a follower of Christ, you have indeed experienced the glory of God, for the glory of God is the gospel message. The gospel message is the glory of God. The two are one and the same. If you want to know who God is, look at his son. If you want to know God's mercy, look at the cross. If you want to know his faithfulness, look at Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. I just came here to let you know that you are called to declare the glorious name of God. And the way you do that is through the gospel message. The gospel simply says this. That God left heaven, came down to earth, put on flesh just to empathize with you and understood that apart from him, you could do nothing. And so he got on the cross and allowed nails to be driven in his hands and nails to be driven in his feet just to hang there to bring you back to him. And this is the message that the world needs to hear. <laughs> Glory of God. If you want to know God's character, look at Jesus. If you want to know his faithfulness, look at his son. If you want to know if he's a promise keeper, look at the cross. If you want to know what the glory of God looks like, it is found on the cross of Christ Jesus. Now, there's one word I left out on purpose, and we have to deal with it. It's the word heaviness. Ricky, what does it mean for God's glory to be heavy? What does it mean for God's glory to be weighty? It means that when you can comprehend the splendor and majesty and wonder of God, when you can comprehend that he opened his mouth and spoke creation into existence, when you can comprehend that all the earth and all the stars and all the universe cannot contain all of who he is. When you can comprehend that he brought the mountains from the bottom of the sea and hung the stars and stretched out the heavens like a curtain and brought the valleys low. When you and I can understand that when God walks in the room and the train of his glory fills the temple, we all are forced with this heavy weight to understand that there is no one like God. There is no one righteous. There is no one faithful. He is above all things. And that glory brings human beings down to a posture of worship. When's the last time you fell to your knees 
because you remember all of who God is. When the last time you saw him rightly, that there is no one like God, no one like him. Psalm 8, David says, you created the mountains and yet you are mindful of me. The issue with you and I is that we have a worship problem because we, we, we found that we are the captain of our own soul. No, you and I are nothing but dust and the fact that God saw you and I should put you and I down to the position of worship. Hope Church, do you know that you have a message that can bring the world to its knees? Have you forgotten that you have a message that can bring the world to its knees. For the Bible says that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. This, what it, this is what it means to declare the glory of God. It is his gospel message. I want to say it to you one more time. If you want to find God's riches, look at his riches and mercy. You want to find his splendor. Look at the grace of the cross. If you want to ask about his reputation, ask if he is a promise keeper and a way maker. If you want to remember the heaviness of God, don't forget that he created all the earth and was mindful of you. He thought about you. In fact, John Piper says it this way. Missions exist because worship doesn't. When Piper said this, he was speaking of you and I, understanding that we're called to take the gospel to the nations, to introduce them to Jesus, to let them fall in love with who he is. And when we're able to do that, there is no longer a need for missions for all the world worships God. But I want to say it also this way. The reason we have to pull you to missions is because most of us don't worship God correctly. Matter of fact, my, my wife's not here, but that's my chocolate queen. My tall glass of chocolate milk. I love her to death. <laughs> when I fell in love with my wife, <laughs> baby girl got all of me. Got my wallet. Got my keys. Got all my feelings. Because worship is all about this. Whatever has your heart, you need not convince to go tell somebody. If God has your heart, if you worship him rightly, I do not have to push you to go tell the nations about Jesus. The first way you and I are called to take the gospel to the nations is that we worship God rightly. Amen. Now, let's get to our second point. Our second point is, as you and I worship God rightly, we shall witness about him passionately. Psalm 96 says this. Declare his glory among the nations. I want to deal with this word among. In the Hebrew, it means to be in. It means to be with. The psalmist says, you get no scapegoat here. You get no free pass. 
each of us are called to be with the very people who we're sharing the gospel to. Y'all didn't get that. Okay, I'll try to say it again. The psalmist gives you and I no pass. Hope Church, we cannot be fans of missions. We're called to be players in the game. We're not called to be fans of missions. We're called to actually get in the game. Yes, we pray for missionaries. Yes, we pray for God to send missionaries. But we are supposed to be among the number who is actually going. Now, I'm going to say something hard here, but I love you. At some point, you and I have got to own our faith. You know what God has called you to do. So why aren't we doing it? How many, how many excuses can we create to not tell the world about Jesus? At some point, we've got to own what God's called us to do. We're called to be with the very ones who we're sharing to. And then this word, nations, it means to all peoples. You and I are called to share this message to everybody. Regardless of their ethnicity, their culture, their background, and I'll say this, their political views. I got quiet. got real quiet there. All right. God says there is no barrier. There is no barrier. There is no barrier. My message goes out to everybody. My message is the only message that actually saves and heals and redeems and brings back. My message is the only message that actually saves the world. And that is why we are called to be a witness. Now, the definition of witness is a person who has seen or has personal experience of something. This is why it's important for you and I to have an intimacy with Jesus. You cannot tell the world about a God who you do not intimately know. We are called to be a witness. And in fact, Christ says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He picks up this word witness. It says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my, say it with me, you will be my, say it with me, and one time the Holy Spirit, you will be my, say it with me, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In this verse, Christ takes the responsibility of sharing our faith to the nations and he puts it up at the top of the list. So if you prioritize your God time, reading your Bible, if you prioritize your gather time, coming to church, if you prioritize being in a small group, your group time, you should also prioritize go time. You know what go time is? You're getting up off the chair and going to the nations. So I want to make this very practical because it is this important. I want to give you three ways you and I can take our message to the gospel, to the world about who Christ is. Three practical ways that will be helpful for us, okay? Because we can do this, all right? Here are the three ways right here. First of all, vocational, your job. Newsflash, your job is just not where you make your money. It's also called the mission field. Do you see your coworkers and your boss and your peers as people who need to know about God? 
Your job is just not where you make your money. Your job is where God has placed you on the, for the purpose of telling your boss, your peers, all about who God is. Secondly is relational. That's your sphere of influence, family, friends, places where you shop. Just let you know that I know you love your house and the comfort that you have, but God gave you that house to tell your neighbors about Jesus. Your life has never been about you. It's always been about Jesus. And this is why I want to encourage you with these first two points. How about, how about this week coming up? You choose one person at your job or one person in your family, in your neighborhood, to tell them about Jesus. Just this week, just one person at your job, one person in your neighborhood, and, and listen, and your dog does not count. <laughs> because we know all dogs go to heaven. All right? Anyway. But choose one person to share your faith with. But the last part is strategic. This deals with what our church provides. You know our church provides opportunities for you to go to the nations? You know that? We actually have resources to take you to the nations to tell the nations about God. In fact, this is what our, our team was doing in Tanzania. What we're doing in Tanzania is we're taking the gospel of Christ Jesus to all the nations to tell them about who God is. And, you know, we have local and global opportunities. The hub, the hub is our city engagement ministry. We have plenty of opportunities for you to share the gospel of Christ Jesus in Las Vegas and the West. And then we also have international mission trips to take you across the world to tell the world about who God is. Here is my question. We have opportunities for you, so why are you not coming? That's a heart thing there. A choice to not follow God, that's a heart thing. And no sermon can fix that. We are called to take this message to the world. Now, some of you are going, Pastor Rick, I hear you. It's, I hear what you're saying, chill the gospel, but I'm just not really convinced to move my life around. But can I share with you, can I share with you this, this quote? It's from Emil Brunner. It says this, at every point in the history of the church, the greatest sin of the church and the one which causes the greatest distress is that she withholds the gospel from the world. So just in case you're thinking, that the greatest sin to our church is outside the walls? It's not. I would argue it may be within. When you and I do not share the gospel of Christ Jesus to the nations, we're causing stress upon the church. Well, you're saying, Pastor Ricky, that was okay. All right, you get two points for that one. But I'm still not mm, convinced to reorient my life. I got one more for you. Jared Alcantara says this. To be children of God means that we are partners in the mission of God in the world and that we reorient our lives around that mission. Those who God has encountered through Christ in the spirit cannot continue in complacency or indifference. Living as if nothing radical has altered the total human situation. 
but instead are compelled into the mission, into a new way of living, being, and acting in the world. These two quotes simply say, this is the role of the Christian. And when you and I do not open our mouth to tell the world about God, we're causing stress on the church. I've heard it said one time that Christians are like manure. When they get together, they stink. But when you spread them out, they become fertilizer. Amen. Amen. That's just, that's, just, that's just free. That's just free for you. I'm going to get in trouble for that. I'm going to get in trouble for that. But the world needs to know the gospel message. Ricky, why should I reorient my life, restructure my finances, look at my children and my family? Why should I do all of this? Because there is no greater message to a dying world than the message of the one who died for the world. The world needs to hear the gospel of Christ Jesus. I heard of a wise judge one day presiding over his courtroom. And in walks the guilty party. A woman who had just committed a crime. The judge will hear out her case and then levy on her the verdict of being guilty. And then issuing her a fine. But then the judge would do something next unexpected. He would lay down his gavel. Unzip his robe. Walk down the podium. And stand right beside the guilty party. But what he would do next would shock the courtroom. He would reach in his back pocket and pull out a checkbook. And begin to write a check for the exact amount of the fine. He would then hand the guilty party the check. Walk back to the podium. Zip back up his robe. Grab his gavel and ask an interesting question. Do you have the money for the fine? Now, this woman, amazed by this outstanding act of grace, that she herself, knowing that she was guilty, knowing that she was sinful, knowing that she was in the wrong and deserved punishment, deserved jail, but yet she stands here with a check in her hand. And she raises it high and says, Your Honor, I now have the money for the fine. And the judge accepts the payment for which he himself supplied. Hope Church, I know no other way to preach the gospel message to you. That you and I walk in God's courtroom, guilty as sin, wrong in all we've done, for all of us have fallen short of God's glory. But in an outstanding act of grace, he would do something that the world does not understand. He would walk down the steps of heaven, come down to earth, stand right beside the guilty party. This time he would offer you and I a payment, but this time not a check. It was his son on the cross. And you and I, now having the payment for my sin, now having the payment for all of my shame, the judge, God, asks us the greatest question.
the world has ever heard, and that is, do you have the payment for your sin? And you and I grab the coattails of Christ Jesus, and we simply say, I have the payment for my sin, and the world needs to hear this message. Let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if you love Hope Church. If you have been blessed by it. Keep it high. Keep it, keep it raised. Keep it raised. Raise your hand if you love Hope Church. Put up that quote for me right quick by Pastor Vance. When God birthed our church, he had the nations on his heart. Raise your hand one more time. Raise your hand. If you love Hope Church. If you love Hope Church, you have to love the nations. Put your hand down. Because the purpose of this building, the purpose of this church, is for the nations. He planted us here to go there. One last time, raise your hand if you love God. Well, if you love God, you have to love the nations. In fact, all of you who raise your hand, you are all going to miss some trips next year. I saw it. All y'all going to miss some trips. I saw it. Don't put it down now. I know exactly who you are. We're called to take the, word, take the, take the gospel message to the nations. The gospel is free, but it's not cheap. Somebody had to die. For you to live. If we are going to take the gospel message to the world, we must be worshipers and witnesses. To worship God rightly so that we can witness about him passionately. Let's pray. I pray, God, today this message fell on good soil. That someone today has just been pushed in the heart say, God, I've, I've made every excuse not to go to the world to declare who you are. And I pray, God, today they receive grace, forgiveness, but God, today they understand that when I worship you and see you for who you are, you allow me to open my mouth to tell the world about a God who I know intimately. This is our prayer. In Christ's name, amen. So, some of you today may have come in today, you're not a believer at all. You just came because someone invited you. You just came because someone kept asking you to come to church. Praise God for that. Because I want you to know that apart from Jesus, there is no life. Christ says that I am the way the truth, and the life. So many of us right now are trying to find the way around the world and the truth about what life means, but Christ says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so maybe you're just here because someone invited you, but this is my prayer, that you would have heard the gospel message clearly and to realize that God loved you so much that he gave his son just for you. You're not here by happenstance. You are here because he is preaching his message directly to you.
accept him. There is no greater love. And guess what? It's free. You need to do nothing to earn the love of God. It is a free gift to you and I. Christ says on the cross, I've taken all your sin, everything you've ever done wrong, every thought you've ever done, everything you've ever done wrong. I've seen all the shame that you have committed, and I love you so much that I exchange, I take on your sin and give you my righteousness. There is no greater message to those who are broken than the one who came down to earth just to make those who are broken heal. And that is Jesus Christ. We would love to talk to you and introduce you to this Jesus because we are passionate because of what he's done in our lives. But for those of you who are Christians, Jesus followers, you're still struggling with getting in the game of taking the, the gospels of the nations. Let me ask you this question. Why are we so constantly encouraged and commanded to share and take the gospels of the nations. Why does the Bible speak so much about sharing our faith, taking to the world, sharing our faith? It's because left to ourselves, we wouldn't do it. Left to myself, I wouldn't open my mouth about Jesus. But I want to, I want to, I want to stay here for a minute. I think all of us wrestle with sharing our faith, especially sharing it to the world. So I want to kind of give you some things to, be, to, to begin to think about as you begin to ask God to help you join in the mission. Some of you right now could be saying, Pastor Ricky, um, i just not passionate enough. I just don't have this desire to go and tell the nations. Well, my prayer is that you will come down today and ask God to help you make this a passion of Maybe you're saying, Pastor Ricky, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to restructure my whole life. I like my life. I like the comfortability of my life. I don't want to change that. My prayer is today that God has moved in your heart in such a way that you will come down and ask for prayer so that we can help you get at the practical steps on how to make this your reality. Some of you could be saying, and this is probably where I land, Pastor Ricky, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of people's opinions. I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid of not knowing all the answers. That's, that's real. When somebody asks you a question about Jesus and you don't know all the answers, you feel like you're inadequate. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I want you to come down and pray for God to give you boldness and courage to push through that because this message is that important. And lastly, some of you are saying, I'm just not worthy. Ricky, if you only knew what I've done in my life, if you only knew what I've done in my life, you expect me to talk about a perfect Jesus. When I know my flaws, you may not know, but I know exactly who I am. You know what? You're right. None of us are worthy to talk about Jesus. None of us deserve the gospel. The gospel is not given to those who deserve it. The gospel is given to those who need it. And because of that, you need to know that when God looks at you, he, he no longer sees your sin,
but he sees the perfect work of his son. And because of that, we can preach the gospel to the world. So as our pastors come, as our, as our worship team comes, I want to invite you to come down here and ask God, God, give me boldness, God, give me clarity, God, give me a courage, because this message is that important. The gospel is good news, but only if you get it in time. The gospel is good news but only if you get it in time. And this is why we are called to share the mission. This is why we are called to make disciples in Las Vegas, the West, and the world. This is why we are called to live on mission because people are dying and they do not know Jesus. So, I want everyone to stand up. And as we begin to sing, I want you to come down to this altar free of grace and mercy and forgiveness and ask God, give me a heart to declare your glory among the nations.